Welcome to the Black Magic Collective podcast presented by Black Magic Design. This podcast is made by filmmakers for filmmakers. Join at blackmagiccollective.com to enjoy free membership and all that comes with it. Now, on with the show. Hello! Hello, people in the internet, down in the cameras. I'm waving at one of those. I don't know who's looking at me. Uh, thank you for joining us from home. Uh, you hopefully have air conditioning because we don't. So as you see us melting up here, it's just the glisten of happiness. Uh, we have Elle and Michelle, which again, those of you at home, you've done your research. So I'm not going to get into bios. You know how I feel about that. We're going to jump right into the questions that you guys have sent in and questions that you guys hear. Um, I will maybe turn to you randomly and point. So have something ready. Did everybody get scared just now? Um, <laughs> it's weird too because I, I went to talk louder now because I'm like talking to the camera, like we're in the theater or something. But Dave still hears me just fine if I talk like this. Uh, okay, so where do my questions go for you guys? The people of the world want to know. First and foremost, as a woman behind the lens, and especially as, as cinematographers who work on higher level stuff, what is the best thing a director can do when stepping into a new show from your point of view? Because as you, I'm sure everybody knows, but if you don't, directors who direct in TV get one, maybe two episodes a season. So directors are constantly cycling in. And I imagine that it can either drive the crew nuts or it's fun, fresh energy. Uh, you guys have advice for those directors? I'll yeah. let Michelle take this first. Mm. Um, I mean, there's things that I'm always looking for in a director, which is, I think the first thing would be having like a collaborative spirit. You know, I think like, I love it when a director has a point of view and then like, you know, I can kind of gel with that point of view and then we both kind of come together and like the idea gets better. Like, I just think when there's collaboration and um, sort of like respect for each other, like, just good creativity comes out of that. Um, think like. How often do you deal with directors who come in who are maybe veteran directors um, and are just like, just put the camera there? Like, is that? I actually very rarely have a director say put the camera right here. Like usually um, it's, you know, like we'll block the scene and all of the viewfinder and be like, okay, what do you think about this? And they're like, yeah, that's great. Or actually I was thinking something more like this, but it's like always kind of like a conversation. It's not like put the camera here. Just like, I don't tell my gaffer, like put the light exactly here, do exactly this with this light. Like it's kind of, you know, you want to kind of empower your team to be creative and have some agency. Like I like everyone on my team to feel like they have some creative agency and all of that can like give me ideas and, you know, a lot of times people will like be like, hey, what, what do you think about this? And it's like, oh, that's such a great idea. Like, I didn't even think about that. So I'm just really open to. You must be a great cinematographer for first time directors, meaning directors who've probably directed a ton of feature films, but this is their first TV episode. So they're first time directors. Uh, I feel like you'd be great for that kind of director because I think they come in with a lot of nerves, even though they're confident in what they're doing. It's just like you hear so many horror stories and you want that DP who's like, we got this. What are we going to do? Let's have some fun. I feel like that seems like your vibe. Totally. And I mean, it's also just like when you're a television DP, like you're doing it every day. Like it all really does become second nature. Like it's not um, as scary, you know? And um, I think when you're coming, I've worked with a lot of first time directors on TV and um, it's like, it's really scary. You know, it's like you have this whole crew that knows each other and like the machine is like, moving like we don't even need you <laughs> it's moving really fast and it's like you gotta like make decisions and be decisive and like work with the actors and you have the writers giving you all this input like there's just so many cooks on a tv show yeah and um and where there's so much director turnover it's i don't know you can feel like you're kind of like jumping into the machine you know so um yeah, and I think there's yeah. different ways that you can classify veteran because every director is different in the things they focus on, right? Like some directors want to focus really just on the performance and they're less visual. They're going to give you more creativity, you know, and more freedom um, visually. Some people come in and they, you know, are really prepared and they've thought about every single beat and what they want to yeah. do. Um, and I find a lot of first time directors are really very um, prepared because they don't want to mess anything up. So sometimes 
for me dealing with a first time director, it's, you know, the, if you come in prepared, that's awesome because then like I can see what you're trying to go for, you know, whether that is reference material, whether that's storyboard and shot list, like that's really helpful. But then also kind of, you know, it's, it's always that back and forth of, but sometimes you may need to let some of that go. But I yeah. think coming from like a starting place of like, I have an idea of how this could work. You can kind of almost, you know, Socratically sometimes come to like, a, you know, a new thing that you didn't think of. But like if you come with your references and the DP comes with their references and you kind of find this middle ground that neither of you thought was possible, I find that's like the best solution, whether it's a new director or a veteran director. That's great. Um, the cinematographers who are in the room, does anybody have any different input on, do you guys all feel like this is pretty much how you work too? Yeah. Love it. Um, okay, uh, Kayla, if anybody in the audience sends you a question, let us know. Uh, so the next question I want to know is how do you hire your support team when it comes to television? I think most people are familiar with how feature works. So say someone is, you know, they, they want to get into, they want to be on TV, maybe they're, they have second AC work. Is there a way for them to get in that door? And maybe really maybe how how you got in the TV doors a DP as well because you you were features first right and then came into TV. Yeah, I did. I had shot um, a couple features, narrative features, and I had shot many feature documentaries. Um, but I always knew that I wanted to work in television. But like, I think the biggest barrier to working in television is being in the union. Um, like getting your union days and actually getting in six hundred is like kind of unreasonably difficult. Um, unless you're on a show that flips, then you're like, God bless, but that never happened to me. Um, so the way that I got in was I, um, I, I was at the point in my career where I was getting calls for union shows to operate, um, but I wasn't in the union. So it was like very frustrating because I couldn't take these jobs that would have been like a big step up. Um, and I actually like, and this was many years ago, I actually worked something out with 600 where they let me kind of get my days because I was getting so much work offered. Wow. Um, and it just felt so unjust that I couldn't take it. Um, so I ended up getting my days as an operator and I was operating on TV. And for me, that was essential because um, as a DP, it's like you never get to work with other DPs. You never see how other DPs light how they talk to directors, how they work with their crew. Like, you know, each DP will kind of, you know, light something a little bit different. So it's just like getting to really like see that and also seeing how a TV set really works. Because the operator, like, you know, the A operator pretty much runs the set. Um, so it's just like getting that experience was really essential for my career. Um, and then you're also meeting directors, you're meeting line producers. Um, and then as you kind of, since I was already a DP, I quickly sort of transitioned out of that and um, got my first show. And then, you know, I was the camera operator on season two of Insecure, and then they bumped me up to DP for season four. So that just, I don't know, that was just a really great on-ramp for me. Insecure is one of those shows that seems really good about giving first-timers quotes, air quotes, yeah. their shot, whether it's director or writer or whatever, so... Totally. They, they give a lot of directors their first shot. And Ava, who's Lidley DP on that show, like she's really good at giving people chances too. And, um, you know, it's a very diverse set. Like, you know, we make sure that sort of everyone is represented. Like it's just a very inclusive set. And she's given a lot of people like a first try. Um, but in terms of like who I hire, um, a really big thing for me is like, I really want to hire people that I want to hang out with and spend time with because you're you're with them under like sorry I keep fanning myself do it no so unbelievably so, hot on so the stage sorry. um you know I just you spend so much time together and especially on a tv set like it can be you know incredibly stressful there's so many people breathing down your neck there's just money being tick 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 every second and um you like want people who you want to like be in the trenches with, you know, and obviously like skill is important. I would say even before that though, it's like attitude. Like, I is this person going to like 
be grounded in joy or grounded in misery. And it's just like, I will take joy over misery like any day. Um, so, but it's really like, especially with like my A camera operator who I work with all the time. Like I, he's a really good friend of mine. Um, and I want to like be with him and hang out with him, you know, cause you're with each other yeah. for, you know, 72 hours a week. So it's just like, you see the people that you're on set with more than you see like your family or your wife or your kids, unfortunately. So that that's a, a attitude and personality is, is big for me. Yeah, when we did season two of Food That Built America, it was one of the first shows that came back after COVID, and they were trying to figure out what does this even look like. And for us, they bubbled each of the units in a hotel. So this became like the craziest team building exercise (laughs) that you could have, where we're basically living in a hotel together for more than six weeks straight and some people Which already could drive you nuts in a normal situation yeah and some people are going home because you know they have kids or they have families that they have responsibilities for but the majority of the crew was staying there so we're like going antiquing on the weekends or hiking on the weekends and this is stuff that you you sometimes get into with a crew but not always but definitely hiring on that for me it was a mix of like people who i know can like stick this out yeah and yeah, totally attitude based. Um, but for me also, I kind of want to echo what Michelle said earlier. It's like, I, um, I think the, be- the, like the thing that ties everything together for me is like attitude towards wanting to make the best thing. And that means that sometimes the idea is not going to come from you. It might come from someone in the crew and being open to that, but also sort of being comfortable enough with the people you've hired and them being comfortable enough with you that they can be like, Hey, what if we try this and you can experiment? And sometimes it does work and sometimes it doesn't. Right. Sometimes I'll have a gaffer. That's like, I really want to try this thing. And I, you know, you're like, all right, you got 10 minutes, you know, let's, let's see if we can make it work. And sometimes you really get something amazing there. Um, But I think like one of the things that digital has brought in is that a lot of people are very familiar with the technology and how it works and the basic understanding of what the job is. And that's something that is teachable. What's less teachable is, yeah, the attitude that you bring to set. You know, if someone says, hey, we have to do coverage in a certain way because we're running out of time and we have to be really picky with our shots, you know, having someone who's like, hell yeah, let's do this as opposed to like, let's stop and, you know, argue about why we're doing it this way. Like that's not constructive for anybody. And it's not just you on your team, right? Like I always try to be in a situation where nobody's waiting on camera. That's not always possible. A lot of times you're waiting on camera, but you know, you have a huge art department on a TV, TV show. You've costume people, you have hair and makeup, like you're part of a much bigger ecosystem and you're all serving each other. So you don't want someone who's going to kind of get in the way of that flow. How do you guys deal? Cause we, let's face it. There's always, not always, there's often that one person who can be the bad seed, who can bring the whole crew down because they're, they're bitching or whatever. How do you deal with those personalities? Or tell if you've been that lucky, you're like, oh, I've never you had know, to deal with that. You know what? <laughs> Anytime, I've never had that on a set where I've uh, hired. Mm-hmm. Um, and the maxim that I heard many, many years ago is uh, hire slow, fire fast. That's um, which is tricky because I mean, God, you never want to be the person who's firing someone like that's, that's a a very tricky thing. I don't know if I've ever actually had to do it because I really try and pick the right person for what this job is. Like if I know there's going to be crazy long hours and it's going to be bad, like, you know, in terms of the amount of physical exertion, like I might pick one crew person over another crew person doesn't have anything to do with their work ethic or anything to do with their skill level. It has to do with like, I'm going to shoot a film out in the wilderness or, you know, something crazy. This person likes hiking. Right. I'm going to pick that person for this job because I know that they have this specific strength. Um, but yeah, I mean, it can definitely be hard and I've seen like other departments have to deal with that and it gets, it gets tricky because what ends up happening, like it doesn't do you any favors 
to be that person if you end up being that person fighting through it because everyone else on this on the crew kind of has their camaraderie mm -hmm. and so you start like that person always tends to like sort of separate themselves out um which is uncomfortable um and other people will talk about it so like you don't want to be that guy never be that guy um but hopefully you never get in i that think position often either. there's especially um and michelle please correct me if I'm wrong maybe you your set vibes might be different but like I've heard plenty of stories from my friends who are union grips and such about like the, you know, the bitching that goes on and I'm like, I'm wondering if they're keeping that away from maybe from your ears or are you hearing it and you're like, guys, come on, like, let's, I mean, it, it kind of like trickles up, but, um, I think my crew, um, to a certain extent tries to protect me from it. Um, but, I mean, I've been on a lot of TV shows where the days are really long and people are like unhappy. I mean, you're human. <laughs> yeah, like people are unhappy. They're tired. They want to go home. And it's just like, you know, um, if if like a bad crew dynamic is brewing, I like to know so I can do I can take the temperature and, and see if there's something that I can do to like make the situation better. Um, but I think my crew really tries to protect me from that stuff because there's so much going on. They're not going to be like, hey, mm -hmm. Sally's really, really pissed <laughs> off, you know, unless it's like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but I mean, I, for me, I think one of the responsibilities of DP um, is to set the tone and the mood for the crew below you. Um, and the DP role is one of, you know, the department heads, it's an important role, but it's one that is on set all the time. You know, production designer might not be on set, head of costume or makeup may not be on set, but as a DP, like you're often the most visible of the below the line department heads. And so if you're allowing bad attitudes to permeate, if it's a bad attitude thing, like that's something that you should be taking responsibility for and like allowing your response to inform the rest of the crew. And the same thing though goes the other way is if you are hearing that people are upset and stuff is happening, it is your job to go in and advocate for your crew. Um, you know, if the hours are too long, if someone is, you know, dealing with a problem, you know, and th that becomes your responsibility, I think, to go to production and say like, hey, this isn't working, what can we do? Um, there's a huge um, people management and managing expectations role. Um, that's part of the cinematographer's job that we don't talk about as much as we right. talk about the gear and the photography and what lighting, like that's all the fun stuff, right. but, but there's more to film and the film industry and the TV industry than fun stuff, right? It's a highly collaborative medium and it's a medium where the reason you tend to not hear as much about like a bad Apple situation on like a bigger project in that way is because, you know, as Michelle said, like, it's hard to get into the union, you have to have enough people willing to hire you over a period of time, you know, you, you're not going to survive in this business if people don't want to work with you and don't want to have you there on set. So you're simply not going to get there necessarily. And if you do manage to get there, you're not going to last long if if there's an attitude issue. No, for sure. For sure. Um, we have next questions up from our, unless there's other live questions. No, still good. Okay. Your um, question, your kind of, question. Yes, go for it. Which has to do with, um, explain to us the, the relation between you and your gaffer. Because to me, DP, you know, cinematography is about light. And you sounded like you just let the gaffer go on their own and, and, and just say, look what I've got. And I and you also have the difficulty in the scene you know, in the set. And I thought, a lot of that can just be perfectionism, right? I mean, like, boy, if I had a little more time, I could do this, but I've got to do this because it's in a, we're in a hurry. Um, I, I think it's all a balance. It's like sometimes you have like a one page scene and you have 10 pages to shoot that day. Maybe you like go a little more simple on that scene, you know, to save time and then spend your money on the bigger scene. Like you're always, it's all, everything's a horse trade. You know, it's like, 
if you're super precious about everything in TV, you'll just never make your day. And I think the more you shoot, the faster you get. And like the more everything just works and you see it and you do it and you can move fast. But um, I work really close with the gaffer. I mean, I if I'm lucky, the gaffer is my best friend for the next four months. And like, he's my guy and we have like a really creative relationship and also i feel like after you work with someone they they kind of get what you like and they kind of start to understand your taste so you don't have to like spell everything out for them like you know i'll definitely be like hey like i want to i want to do this here like let's key from the window let's like neg this wall and you know but i'm not like put this unit in this exact spot with this exact thing like i you know yeah, because also it's like they they know their crew, they know where the gear is, they know how long it's going to take them to set something up. So if there's a light that he thinks he can use to set it up faster, like, great, that just makes me look better because um, we're lighting it faster, you know. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah. Well, you know, as someone, I've done six feature films, all indie, and the ones where we had a gaffer for certain days, you could point them out in the scene because I think that the gaffer just changes. If a deep an indie, which I'm sure I don't know on your indies you did, but on a lot of these low budget indies, the DP is doing way too much. Um, the days we have a gaffer that's really good, you could just tell on film. I think that that's and it's the language you talk about. It's you get to say what you need, and they get to help make it happen, as opposed to you're also running around and trying to you know teach somebody what to do. And also, I think too, like, and I've noticed too, and you know, as you work on like bigger and bigger and bigger things, like your resources get bigger and your crew gets bigger. And like, now you have a rigging crew and now like you have a best boy and you have like all these people They're who have very this. specific jobs who are there to like help you succeed. So I think part of it is learning like how to utilize that for the betterment of the show and for yourself and just kind of knowing like how to talk pe to people, what to ask for, like, you know, um, cause like, yeah, like on, on Rust Creek, it's like we had a gaffer, a key grip and like a swing. Like it was just like not enough, but it was what we had and we made it work and it was oh, great. It looks gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, it's like, then you're working on a TV show and you have like a giant camera department and a giant G and E department. And it's just like this big, like beast, but it's all there to like support you. So it's kind of like learning how to like, accept the support and like work work within it you know yeah i mean yeah for me the gaffer and the ac tend to be non-negotiables at this point like if i'm doing a short you know sometimes sometimes i'll do something because like i want a creative exercise and i'm yeah. like i will take this on but to me it makes such a tremendous difference to have people there because even, even just things like focusing, right? Like most uh, on an indie, the DP is almost always the camera operator and, you know, trying to do crazy moves if you're doing handheld or you're walking or there's something crazy happening and having to also be the focus puller on top of that ergonomically is very difficult. Yeah. Um, and you may have to compromise the photography if that is going to become a thing yeah. um, and choose a different path that makes it easier to be focusing all the time. Um, and this stuff that they're talking about, yeah. like this is like when people always ask, you know, should they make some kind of pilot presentation? I'm like, no, because you're never going to look like what the TV looks like. You're just not going to. My very good friend. Did you? Did I you did. have a full crew though? Um, I actually did. I brought on like a full union crew, which was kind of problematic. So yeah, this doesn't count. That's cheating. It was a little problematic, <laughs> but he wanted me to shoot it. And I was like, if you, this is what I'm bringing to the table. And it ended up being like maybe a little bigger than they had hoped, but it looks. But it makes you know, the difference. That's the yeah. thing. It does. Yeah. I mean, the quality was yeah. more you, than they had expected. And you just have to sort of know you have to know which resources you need for which project because you don't need every resource that's available to you for every project. And I think that's that's something for me um, as a DP and as someone who is interested in creative challenges and I like to work with new, you know, new artists and new filmmakers is like, you know, structuring a project around like what is necessary. Yeah. Um, but for something like TV, 
where very frequently it's like 10 strips or 10 pages every day, you can't afford to not be just moving, moving, moving the entire time. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't like shooting multi-cam, but I'll use a B cam on TV because sometimes you just need to know that you have another angle. Yeah. And frequently that gets used much more than you would think that it would get used um, just because it's giving you even more material. I love it. I love it. Um, okay, back to the list from the home audience. We have, <laughs> what do you both hate that directors do? <laughs> That's tricky. I mean, I feel like I wouldn't be doing this if I hated things that directors were doing. Come on, we all do uh, stuff that drives you nuts. I know I've driven my DPs nuts plenty of times. <laughs> I um, mean, that's a tricky question. That is a tricky question. <laughs> I, I would say um, something that's kind of interesting to me is that um, I often am camera operating on projects that I'm the DP on. And as a camera operator, and then all, if, if you're operating the camera or if you're pulling focus remotely, you're really scrutinizing the performers at any given time. And so you're seeing things through the screen. Um, if, you know, if a, an actor misses their mark and they're self-conscious about it, if an actor flubs a line, you can kind of start to see when they wanna like take it back and go again, or if they wanna cut and start again. And I think that with a director, it's, you're focused on so many different things within the scene that you don't always see that one specific thing. Just like the, the hair person is going to see the one fly away or the costume person is going to see the collar flipped the wrong way. Um, I, I think training your eye as a director to kind of see the individual pieces is really helpful because that way you're going to gain more confident uh, from all of your department heads. Something that I still sometimes figure out how to navigate is when I'm, I'm seeing something that would be helpful to, to reset, but I don't necessarily know if it's the type of show where I, as the DP, can say, hey, can we reset? Um, and especially if you're on a really, really fast schedule, it can be tricky having to sort of wait until the take is done and then be like, there, yeah, there was the a thing, thing is, I'm sorry, yeah. there was a I thing. I think as a director, from the director's side, a lot of times it's like, because I am thinking of the whole thing edited, I'm like, I don't care about that moment. I'm right. gonna see where they can go. And I can see as a DP how that would be annoying because you're like, but we just need to start over because I hated that, you know, I hated how I hit the mark or whatever. Yeah, it's usually it's usually not like a, a personal thing, but it w it might be like, a, oh, there was an extension cord running through this. You yeah, know? I mean, some, something like yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, that that's really the only thing for me where like I see myself constantly like working on that aspect of the director relationship. Um, but most of the directors that I've worked with have been awesome. And I work with some people that are like very, very organized. Like I, so I, I, as a DP on, on some indie films, like I've been the person to be like, we're going to go shoot in the desert now. So I made everyone on the crew a fanny pack and it has hand sanitizer and it has band-aids and it has all the stuff. And then people, and, and here's a water bottle so you can stay hydrated and people look at me like I'm insane. And I sometimes have directors that do that. And I'm like, I understand you from the depth of my heart. <laughs> you made this whole binder. It's beautiful. I will have the camera in my hand 95% of this shoot. And I wish that I could be referencing this. But yeah. like the fact that you thought this out is amazing. And then I'll have other people that come in and say, I just want to work with the actors. Like you do what you think, you know, works great. So you have to have flexibility with directors because everybody is coming in with a different perspective and a different goal. I mean, there's got to be something that's like, especially in TV, we have directors constantly coming in as they're like, God, I just wish every director, or if we don't want to look at it from the negative, we can look at it from like, I wish every director did this thing that this one director does. Or I feel like, like you're, you I'm don't like, want to say anything. I'm you're like, going to get in trouble. Depends on who's watching this video. My, <laughs> my answer is dependent on who's watching the movie. Um, uh, you don't have to do it. No, no, no. I, I want to just think of a way to phrase it. Um, <laughs> well, to your point, in television, you often have rotating directors who they're they're coming in, they're directing an episode, then they're on to their next episode. And a lot of them have a lot going on. They have a lot of projects going on. They're shooting, you know, like they have multiple shows. And, and sometimes it's like, 
they're so busy that like it feels like they're not pr maybe yeah. present. Um, and I think especially like with our, you know, with our phones and Instagram and whatever, it's like, I'm always, it's so funny. Like, it's not funny. It's kind of sad. Like you'll be on a set and you look around and everybody is just during the take, just like on their phone. And it just, it, it happens all the time. I, I try to put my phone away so I don't, I'm not tempted to look at it, but um, I don't always, I'm not always successful, but um, I just think people are like checked out, you know? And I think like we're doing this thing that we like have like the privilege of like making this beautiful TV show that we have all these resources. We get to do this every day. It's like, I think of it as like a privilege, you know? And um, so I just, I, I like it when people, not just directors, but just the people on the team are dialed in and they're just down and like focused and not somewhere else. So I like that. That's a good note. It's a and good I think as a, as a starting out director too, if yeah. people are asking who are like newer, it's like, I think that that is such a good practice to cultivate. Just like being as present as you possibly can and giving like your energy to your team that's trying to do this thing, make this thing for you. It's like, you just don't want your team to care more than you do. Yeah, I, like it. I think that that's kind of the takeaway for me. Like I always just want to be like in the pocket with my director and, you know, and if they give me a lot, like I will give like 110% back. So it's just like wanting everyone to just be like present and like in the pocket and like doing the thing. I love it. Yeah, you know, I think that's like sort of the psychological reasoning behind the, the, thing that I struggle with is that I think, especially on indie features, I'm so often working with directors that are also, you know, the producers, they're the main champion of the project. Sometimes people are like almost burnt out by the time they get to set and they're already thinking about the edit and they're thinking about posts and they're thinking about everything except what's happening right there at that moment. Um, and I think that, uh, phones away is like a really good rule on set that I've, I've had some kind of um, goofus and gallant situations where like, I, I try to never use my phone on set, which bothers many people that try to reach me during the day, but that's not my job to be reachable during the yeah. day. Um, and then I'll have to like, you know, walk on someone else's set. And it's like, there's this, like, it's like a depression commercial. There'll also be like this dark cloud hovering and everyone is like in the dark, like <laughs> with their phones. And it's always just such a bad vibe when everybody is on their phone. So like, it can be hard because we're used to the instant gratification of, of having our phones out at all times. But I try to never have it out in the hopes of encouraging people to never have it out. That's so, a good rule. I'll say one more thing about phones. Um, in people being on, in defense of people being on their phones, um, I was kind of like bummed one day because I was like looking around and everyone's on their phone and I might have made like kind of a comment about it. And my gaffer was like, I'm talking to the rigging gaffer. I'm ordering your gear for tomorrow. I'm making sure that the process trailer is going to be rigged. Like he was like, I'm working. You know, and I was like, you are totally right. I'm to I'm sorry. Like, you're right. You're working. You're totally working. And as soon as I say anything, he's like, what do you need? You know, he's like at the ready. So yeah. it's like, it's also like a balance, like, especially on a TV show, it's like, you're constantly struggling to like stay on top of like that week's work, especially if you have company moves and stuff. So it's like, everyone's on their phone, like reading new scripts, getting the new one-liner, like, you know, we're we just, we have computers in our pockets, but I think it's still important, like within that framework to be present for the, the work, which I'm always trying to be better at. Like sometimes I'm, I'm not as present as I would like to be. And it's something that I really try to well, try to get better. Yes, at. please. Always getting better. So I'm going to repeat for the audience to tell you if I'm repeating this wrong um, for the at home audience. So what is what what makes a script come together? What are the elements they want that come together to make it be that's their dream project? Is that? I apologize. 
<laughs> sure. Well, I mean, it's being recorded, so they're already. <laughs> um, I mean, that's a really good question. Like, I'm interviewing for a bunch of stuff right now. I think I've read like 15 scripts in the past. I mean, I read a lot of scripts, and I'm always looking for something that I can connect to emotionally. You know, I just something that that I can relate to, something that I can dig into, something that I think that I can bring something to. Um, and um, I'm always just I'm inspired by really good writing. You know, like you'd be surprised at some of these scripts. It's like it feels like you're reading like a, a first draft. It's like when something's like really like tight and like the, you know, the word real estate is used well and it's just very, it's like flowing and you're, it's like you're turning the page and you can't wait to see what happens next. Like, I love that. And, um, and it doesn't even have to be like a super visual script because I feel like I'm always attracted to like, how do I visually show what's happening emotionally for this character? So it's like, if there's something emotional for me to dig into, that's, that's what, what I'm looking for. And hopefully like within that, like the visuals come out and, you know, um, it's always exciting when there's like fun locations and, you know, things that you can really like imagine in your mind when you're reading it. Um, yeah, but I think I really respond to the emotional, the emotionality of the characters, like their kind of trajectory. It's also fun when you can kind of like, see like the emotional arc in the script because then as a dp you're like oh like we'll start off visually here and then we'll go here and then we'll end here it's like fun when you can kind of see the emotional trajectory in a visual way on the page you know yeah i think on the flip side is there have you get, been given a script and or is there a tv show you're like look i love the show but there's no way i'm working on that Absolutely. <laughs> is it like is it like is there something that about those scripts that are a turnoff for you um, beyond bad writing, of course, but like, are you like, man, I don't ever want to do some huge, you know, sci-fi, like, do you want to do the Mandalorian, Star Trek, things like that? Are you like, nah, I'd rather do the more I'm, grounded. I'm down for anything. Like I was talking to my agent the other day and I was like, I want to do something with like horses and castles. Like that would be fun. Like just, I'm, I'm kind of down for anything. <laughs> and I feel like I've been doing like, not similar things for a while, but like I've been doing these like sort of dark characters and um, I'd be down to do something just completely different, like completely something I've never done before. Like, cause that just kind of pushes you to the next level, you know, like yeah. creatively for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of like I, my, one of my measures is just like, am I gonna be happy making, shooting this project? Like is shooting this project gonna make me happy or is it a job? Or like, you know, it's like, you're like weighing all these factors. It's like, where is it shooting? Like, what's the budget? Like, how many days do they want to shoot it in? You know, there's just all these factors. And I kind of just try to calculate, like, is this going to make me happy? You know? I love that. And I want to push that home to everybody. Even as, as indie, even whenever it's like, I didn't have money to pay rent, I still said no to things that I was like, this is going to make me miserable. I don't care how much money it is. Yeah. I love you. living by that. It's great. And if you read a script that has like no money and they want to shoot it in 20 days, but like the script is so beautiful and amazing, like at 100%, I would like jump at it, even if it wasn't a lot of, a lot of money. Like, you know, you're always kind of, and I'll, I'll often like the best Your scripts, agents like cut that part out. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, but I mean, often like, I don't know. It's interesting. I feel like the, oh, who's watching this video? Totally. Yeah. And a lot of the movies that are being made right now for like under $10 million are like the really like interesting, dark, beautiful, like, you know, complicated characters, like that's like where that stuff is. And then once you like get up into the bigger budgets, I feel like it sort of becomes more. It's basically Marvel or Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Which would also be fun. Like I'd love to shoot. It would be so fun to shoot something crazy, no, like a Marvel, Marvel thing. You made your agent happy again. <laughs> yeah. I, was say, I think, I think something that grabs me with scripts is like the ability 
to world build and like what the perspective is of the director because like you know uh, if if the budget means that you only have room for an apartment in silver lake every director is going to want to do that differently and every location that you could use could be different and so for me it's like does the story mean that we can do something visually interesting? Can I ch challenge myself creatively? You know, uh, something that is fascinating is that so often I find myself working on similar scenes, you know, that I've done to projects from years ago, but I'm approaching it in a completely different way just because the way this director and this art team works is so different. And I think creatively challenging yourself is like a big part of what makes me excited for a project and makes me say yes to something, even if it's a lot smaller project. Um, the last feature that I did had a lot of underwater stuff and I hadn't been able to do underwater before. So I was like, and, you know, in a DIY way, I was like, this is a creative challenge that I'm very excited about because I don't usually get to think visually in this way. Um, and it was still a coming of age story, which is like, a, you know, a more typical um, something you might find in, in indie space, but it had a lot more interesting elements to it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, and, and character trajectory, like you're, if you can't care about the story that you're telling, you can't care about making the movie, no matter how cool it is. Right, right. You know, you could be presented with, you know, a hundred million dollar project, but if the characters aren't there, like it can be lame on the page. So don't be lame on the page. <laughs> there you go. Bottom line, don't be lame yeah. on the page. Uh, we have like four or five minutes. So does anybody want to get any questions in? Last minute questions? We drove here. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, I was interested in, uh, I guess, the politics concept. Because uh, oftentimes, you know, I feel like there's certain situations where you want to be flexible and accommodating, and also you know, you see kind of mountain uh, that in distance. You don't want to be too pushy, right? But you just want to cover kind of safe your ass from, um, you know, maybe not making a day or, uh, you know, not being able to creatively or, like, how, what's your guys' approach to What is your main job on set? What were you as a, as a DP, okay. Um, so those watching, we have a cinematographer who has asked, uh, how do they deal with sticky situations and the politics of set? How pushy are you to get things done? Um, am I getting that correct? Yeah, yeah. Versus trying to be flexible. Being pushy versus flexible versus accommodating. Yes, yes. Which I think is a normal, I think it's just such, such a normal thing you run into. I mean, the, the first thing is that you have to really understand that everybody is there to create the best thing they can. And it's always an us as a team and not an us versus them or that person. Right. So the, sort of the minute that you get divisive, it's like not going to gel right anymore. Um, so really, you have to just keep a positive perspective on, you know, we're running up against something. This is the advice that I can provide. This is the compromise I can make, you know, trying to figure out, you know, where you can simplify if that's possible to do. Um, you know, the more people feel that you have their back and that you are in support of their vision. I mean, presuming that you're talking about working with a director, but this can also be working with your gaffer or working with team members that, you know, may not be a regular crew. Um, you know, the more someone feels that you trust them, the more they can give that trust back to you. And so the faster you can create kind of uh, an intimate trusting relationship with the people that you're working with, the stronger everybody's work is going to be. And people f will feel more comfortable speaking up. They'll feel more comfortable coming to you with the suggestion or if they see an issue, they feel that they can trust you, you know, bringing up the issue. Um, but really you have to, you have to be someone who is willing to, fight for the team and the project more than I think anyway, fighting for you as an individual and what you want as an individual, because ultimately most movies and virtually no TV shows are about any individual person and their individual perspective. It's all about serving the story and creating the best work that you can as a team. I think that on that note though, when it comes to film, 
the director is the final say. It does not matter if you agree what you want. You got to do what the director wants, period. Even if you think it's the stupidest thing on the planet. And directors want that. We want to be like, let me make the mistake. Let me, let me not later be like, I wanted something else, but I had to give in. TV is different. You're not the top dog in TV. I mean, it's, I think it's really complicated. I mean, I've been in some very complicated political situations and, you know, there's no real answer to it. It's like, I feel like my, the way I approach it and deal with it is like constantly evolving. Um, but I think like you really need to pick your battles. Yeah. You have to pick your battles you have to compromise and it's like it, it is a horse trade it's like you gotta you gotta know when to when to fight for what you need and you gotta know when to be like you know what this really this isn't the hill i want to die on um because at the end of the day like when you're watching the tv show edited and you're watching it those like little fights that you are fighting for are so in the rear view and sometimes there's a couple things where you're like god i'm so glad we fought for that and it's like you know and you kind of <laughs> like see it but um I think it's really complicated, you know? It's like when you're dealing with like line producers and the the schedule is crazy and it's like feels, you know, you're just up against it every day trying to make your day. And like, and if you're not making your days, like you will get, like you're the first one to get fired. So it's like, even if it's not your fault, you know, even if like it's all these factors, like, you know, like, you are on the chopping block always. So it's like, it's such a balance and it's so different. Every show, every producer is different. So you just gotta kind of like really learn to read the room early and, you know. Well, I don't think what, it gets better, but it, it changes. It, the only thing you have control over is how you respond to yep. it. Yep. I just was meeting, I have a mentee and I was meeting with her today and we really talked about this. Like, it's really like how you respond to that stuff. And that's something that I just think takes like time and experience and practice. Yeah, and yeah. I'm still like, I'm always learning new ways to deal and, you know. Yeah, you can control yeah. your behavior, but you can't control other people and you shouldn't try to control other people. Like you should really just, you know, focus on being the best you that you can be. Um, and one of the reasons that's really important is, you know, as was brought up before, if you're trying to be uh, working in TV or on bigger budget features, they're gonna have longer schedules. The difference between someone hiring you and hiring the person with the exact same resume as you may be that you have the reputation for being constructive and kind and collaborative and the other person doesn't. And it really makes a huge difference because people, you know, things are changing because there are so many DPs that are wonderful and creative, talented people out there. You know, it, it's, there's a, a, a bounty of riches when it comes to talent behind the camera. Um, and so that isn't what cuts it anymore. You have to be not a jerk. You know, I think, what is it that Jen's, uh, Jen's profile on Twitter says something very funny that's like, friend to all except jerks, jerks, you're on your own. And that's, that's really what it is. You know, don't, don't be a jerk. Um, that's the best way to handle on set politics um, because there's no like the I, th I think the days of somebody being a jerk because they're really talented and they feel they can get away with it there those days are coming to an end because there's always going to be someone equally as talented who's much less of a jerk who's much more of a joy to work with so try to be a joy to work with if you can also i think with for cinematographers your director is feeling stress on way more levels than you are like way more especially in indie film where there's just it's i don't know probably more in tv too your director's feeling so much stress that the best thing you can do is go okay my director is stressed right now what can i do he's like what can i do to make this work for you and then you're going to end up getting your way because you're going to they're going to be so appreciative that they're going to feel you're, like you're on their, your team that's like the best thing you can ever say to me yeah. totally. i also had an epiphany today which probably isn't a big epiphany but um I was just talking to my mentee and I was like, um, she was kind of having a problem with the director she was working with. And I was like, you, like if you were directing this movie, like 
what, how would you want your DP to be? You know, like, how would you, like, you're directing this, this short that you're doing. Like, how do you want your DP to react, be reacting to all these things? Like, that's who you need to be. Because, like, you're right, like, heavy is the crown or whatever. You know, it's like, they're, they're, they are under a lot of stress. At the end of the day, it's like, they directed this movie and everything on the screen is sort of, you know, so it's just like, how, how would you want your DP to be in that situation? I don't know. There's that kind also, of like made a lot of sense to me today. And I was no, like, it's great. Wow, I think like, in life, we should always be doing that in life. Yeah. How do we want that other person to treat us? Let's yeah, treat something that I've been thinking a lot about recently too is, you know, there's sort of this maxim that the film you write, the film you shoot, and then the film you edit. And those are all three different things. And you can go in with a plan but that doesn't, whether you're the DP or the director or the producer or the writer, but that doesn't mean that is what is actually going to happen when you're filming it. And something that I always repeat to myself is just because it's not the way it was planned, and this is, uh, this is something you could say to yourself in any of these roles, just because it's not exactly as we planned it doesn't mean it is going to be worse than as we planned it. A lot of the time... You know, so, you know, I, I've been on shoots where people got COVID and we were down a bunch of crew members. I've been on shoots where a key prop didn't show up on time and someone had to come up with a different ending for a scene. You know, so many things change when you're in the middle of a fast paced production. And just because something deviates from what was originally expected does not mean that that is a bad thing. And it can be easy to have your first response be kind of like panic of like, or, or just being upset of like, this wasn't the thing that we talked about. We talked about doing something different. Like try to find the creative, you know, challenge and rise to it when that stuff happens rather than being defensive or shutting down or saying this wasn't what I planned or agreed to or whatever. Because a lot of times you find something that actually was way better than what your first thought was when you were planning it. We have we have to wrap, guys. But um, everybody, please stick around. You can ask more questions. Um, Kayla's going to do a giveaway after she says goodbye to the audience at home. Thank you guys for joining us from your air conditioning. We will see you guys doing some kind of live stream event next week or next month. You've been listening to the Black Magic Collective podcast. If you're having fun talking tech in the biz with us, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Please leave reviews as it helps others find the show, so we can keep making great content for you. We're also on all of your favorite podcast apps, as well as YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please visit blackmagiccollective.com to join and be part of the filmmaker community. All of our events and programs are free to filmmakers, thanks to our presenting sponsor, Black Magic Design.